Talks, a chat with Finance Malta, is the podcast series that gives you short, thoughtful and regular insights from leading experts of the financial services industry. I'm Vanessa MacDonald. Welcome. Welcome to another in the series of podcasts from Finance Malta, FinTalks. I'm Vanessa MacDonald and today we are going to be talking about the 2016 Market Abuse Regulation. When this was actually introduced, it was meant to tackle things like insider dealing, the unlawful disclosure of inside information and market manipulation. But 2016 is an awful long time ago. So let's have a a look at what has happened in terms of regulation, legislation, what has already happened and what is going to happen. And to guide us through this extremely technical uh, discussion, we have with us Beppe De Giorgio, who is an associate at Ganado Advocates. Beppe, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you I for having know, me. I don't know where to start. <laughs> Gosh, this is really quite difficult, but perhaps you can start by telling us, listen, what has happened since 2016? Because obviously financial service members would want to know really where they stand and what is around the corner. Yes. I think but we should start before 2016 because the market abuse regulation is a development of other laws which have been coming, which came about about 30, 40 years ago or even more because they, the market abuse regulation, as the name implies, tackles market abuse. And market abuse has been around since time immemorial. There are even records in Roman times for, about market abuse. So we're, ta- we're facing problems here that we've been facing for the past few millennia. And our law that it wasn't the law we're, we're facing today and we're speaking about today isn't anything new and there's nothing new under the sun in this in this world. So our law is a development of, of old principles and existing principles. What it what this the novelty of this new of this law, this regulation, is that it is a regulation. And as you know, an EU regulation is directly applicable throughout the EU. Um, without any changes, without any changes, mm-hmm. there are certain small nuances that change here and there, but nothing major. Certain small thresholds, for example. So the good thing about the law is that there's an, an element of certainty. So the law in Italy will be the same as the law in Malta, the same as the law in France, and very similar to the law in the UK. Coincidentally, the negative thing about that is that the benefit of that is also the the negative impact because it means that this law is a bit of a one size fits all. So the law that applies to your largest listed German bank is the same law that applies to a small Maltese issuer. And that is where developments have been um, taking place over the years, especially since 2016, where the regulator and, and the legislator have started to realize slowly, slowly, through lobbying and through efforts, that a one-size-fits-all doesn't always work. So most developments that have taken place were to whittle down certain rules to make them more, to make the, the regulation a bit friendlier for different sizes of, of companies. So th- th- that's the main thrust of of developments of the law. Um, now, one of the main um, players in this uh, field with regards to the EU is ESMA, which conducted a review of the market abuse regulation. Where has that got to at the moment? Is that is that uh, a fact or is it still being debated? No, ESMA concluded its review a couple of years ago. Um, it had a very clear mandate of what, what it needed to review, and it came up with a very interesting report of, of certain certain issues with the law that the, the industry and, and the market had been seeing for quite a while. And it was refreshing to see that ESMA also picked up on them and, and took them on board. In its report and its review, ESMA invited the industry to submit feedback, and I believe even more to submit feedback. And those were taken, some, some elements were taken on board and some weren't. 
on the back of that report, um, which, as I said, was concluded in 2020, if I'm not mistaken, the European Commission, a few months ago, a few, uh, last year, proposed certain changes to the market abuse regulation, amongst other laws. And the purpose of these of these proposed changes of the, to the market abuse regulation, as I said, are to whittle down certain requirements, certain very onerous requirements, which don't make sense in certain circumstances, especially for smaller companies. Uh, and which, that is the which main thrust. percent of the Maltese economy. Uh, th- that's it. We have heard ad nauseum. But also, Malta, we have a particular issue in that there are very few listed companies, very few of the companies have actually gone to the capital markets, no? It depends who you ask. So, okay. And it depends what, what, what angle you approach it from. So there are very few foreign issuers listed in Malta. But as a percentage of Maltese companies and Maltese businesses that actually list themselves, it's it's a, re- it's a bit of a more significant percentage. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, but so obviously they would be affected by, by lo- these changes. Extremely. And, and it's important for everyone to be aware of them. And it is very important. And we've been seeing even reports in the media lately about, about similar issue of the importance of, of Malta lobbying as well for changes and the Maltese industry lobbying for changes that suit it. Um, we had these debates in, 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 the, in the shipping sphere when, about the certain rules about the free port. But... I think even here we need to be a bit more sharper as a jurisdiction and as an industry to lobby um, with the EU for certain changes or, or, or push for direction, certain directions where, where we feel that we can benefit as a country and, and as an industry to promote point our just, customers. Point just to moan afterwards because by it. then it's exactly. and there's not really much you can do about it. <laughs> That's okay. exactly it. But there are a number of, of things which were quite... Uh, important and one of the things which I understand was something which emerged over the years with regards to the MAR was the definition of inside information is that something which is uh, quite contentious for us it is that's I don't feel that's something we're going to lobby about to be honest but it is very contentious because the definition of inside information is one of the central building blocks of the the regulation, and and a lot of obligations and and rules in the market abuse regulation are built around this definition of inside information, which is I mean easy enough to read, but I always say it's a bit like smoke. It's a bit like capturing smoke in a box. So it's easy to see smoke, but it's different to capture all your the smoke in a box because it's all the time moving. And the definition of inside information is the same. It's very subject. It's objective in in definition, but subjective in application. And because so many rules are built around inside information, like insider dealing, for example, or the keeping of insider lists. You're making it sound extremely simple, but the people out there know that you're talking about reams and reams of data. Exactly. Uh, which are, and sort of only it's not fixed data, it's not data of yesterday's data. It's today's data that's current data, which is all the time changing. And it's a real it's it's a real bone of contention that we have a, a definition of a definition which is so central yet so unworkable. And in fact, one of the changes being proposed, or rather, one of the changes that was toyed with in in these upcoming changes proposed by the Commission, was having different definitions of inside information for different obligations, because it doesn't always work to have one definition of inside information, but. We'll need to see where we'll end with that because there's lobbying and there's discussions even at European Parliament level now. I was going through some of the um, the background research and so on, and one of the things that I came up with was this concept of accepted market practices. Hmm. And it said here that the MFSA hasn't yet established these accepted market practices, which means that there is something that we could 
perhaps be benefiting from, which we can't yet because the MFSA hasn't done it. Uh, at what stage is that? Uh, okay. At, <laughs> I wouldn't even Your say silence. at inception. It's, uh, it hasn't Your silence says yet. a lot. So this is something you would urge, basically, the, the MFSA to Yes, I think it, it's a tool. So just to give our listeners some background, thankfully, the, reg- the, the regulation realizes that black and white doesn't really exist. And to every rule, there is a certain exception. And we have three main prohibitions in the market abuse regulation. The prohibition on insider dealing, the prohibition on the unlawful disclosure of insider information, and the prohibition on market manipulation. Those three prohibitions together make up market abuse, what we know, what we call market abuse. We are not in any way saying that this is not important. Let us of state course not. No, of course that not. this is the most important thing for consumer protection, for consumer... The integrity uh, of the market. Integrity, credibility, etc. So Definitely. please don't take anything Definitely. that we say as being, uh, listen, let's lose <laughs> and let's no, but, but the law itself recognizes that certain practices may look like insider dealing, for example, but are in fact so beneficial that they are, they are allowed to take place. And there are what we call legitimate behaviors, for example. Similarly, with, when it comes to unlawful disclosure of inside information, so in, as a rule, you can't disclose inside information to anyone except to the public or to someone you need to disclose it to. Except, and there's, there's an exception, except in the course of a market sounding. Now, when it comes to market manipulation, there are certain behaviors, or there could be certain behaviors, which, from a Maltese perspective, might look ma- like market manipulation on the face of it, if you were to read the definition of the law, which, again, is a, is a, is a definition which is, is a one-size-fits-all for all of Europe. Um, but when, when you look at it from a Maltese perspective, you might realize that the way the Maltese market functions is actually, it's not actually a manipulative behavior. So you might need to exempt that behavior from it, from it, being, from it being illegal. So uh, the MFSA over there needs to intervene to make that an accepted market practice. There's a bit of a, a, a process that needs to be that needs to take place, admittedly, but I think a study of certain practices in Malta, a thorough study of certain practices in Malta, would go a long way to um, to to give certainty to certain to certain players or to all the players in the market. Admittedly, and to be very fair to the MFSA, there aren't many accepted market practices in Europe. So there's a list published, and and even larger jurisdictions like Italy, for example, don't have that many. They have about two or three, if I'm not mistaken. And certain jurisdictions don't have either. So it's not like the MFSA is sitting pretty doing nothing. Rod, I think think here we should shout out to the MFSA about their expertise in the area because it is really growing, and it's it's an expertise which is a study. It's a studied expertise. You can see even from discussions with the MFSA, one quickly understands that on the whole, the MFSA knows what it's on about, and it's an efficient regulator in the space. One of the other uh, issues that there is is that some of the exemptions are for uh, what is known as the SME growth market. What's that all about? Okay, so an SME growth market is a is a is a thing basically. Um, certain small um, or certain certain trading venues can be designated as SME growth markets. And when a, a growth, when a trading venue is designated as a semi-growth market, the regulation, the market regulation, provides certain exemptions for companies listed on those semi-growth markets. Because the regulation realizes that any company listed on a semi-growth market is, by definition, small, and therefore doesn't need 
doesn't doesn't need to comply with certain onerous requirements. Especially when we're talking about the risk-based approach, which Correct. is being adopted by so many regulators. In, in general, in EU law, we have a, an idea of, of subsidiarity and proportionality, that everything should be proportionate. Unfortunate thing is that in Malta, we don't have any SME growth market. So there again, multi, small Maltese Sorry, companies. I don't understand. Don't we have the prospects on, on But it's not designated as a SME growth market, unfortunately. Why not? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so unfortunately, we're missing out again on, on certain exemptions which can apply and can alleviate certain pressures for, for smaller issuers. I mean, we're, we're talking very much about the, the situation with regards to Maltese listings, etc. But obviously, if we want to attract a greater volume of international listings, I imagine that we would increasingly need these kind of exemptions to be able to apply to you know? Yes, there are other obstacles that need to be tackled. I don't think this is the, the space to, to tackle that. But yes, the more the more attractive can make our jurisdiction, at least get it on par with other jurisdictions, if not more attractive. But the more we can make it attractive, the more we can, you know, go out there and, and market our jurisdiction, at least in this space, as being competitive. Because this is a law that admittedly I'm sure many directors will tell you, and many compliance officers will tell you, which is more and more take, consuming more and more resources in terms of of compliance costs. So the more we can help the industry in that respect, the better. Eh? I, I feel that we've talked a lot about the negatives and so on, but what is great about what we're doing in Malta with regards to market abuse regulations? I, I think it's the MFSA. The MFSA have a lot to be congratulated for. There are areas where the MFSA can improve, obviously. But the MFSA's competence is, is refreshing in this space and even their openness. So the, the team is very helpful. The team understands that the regulation is in its relative infancy and, and they've, they've been very receptive to that. Other things and in terms of development, we've also we're doing great, great, making great strides in, in general education so the the market is, is more and more becoming more and more aware of the regulation and its and its obligations and, and what it entails basically so i think we're doing well there we can do better i think there are certain for example directors and certain maybe old school employees who still have to catch up with 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 the law but on the whole i think we're moving in the right direction Certainly the comments that I've been given over the last uh, number of podcasts and interviews and so on is that the compliance culture in Malta um, is, is really now unilaterally, if you like, uh, improving. In, in the space, I think it is improving too. Um, as I said, there are what we see, especially with our clients, is that sometimes there's a clash of, of ages, the way we see it. There are there's a maybe a, a, the younger and it's not an age it's not an age thing or maybe it's more of an outlook thing, but there are certain there's a cohort of people who take the law for what it is, and say and you know and say it's the law we need to comply with it. Others maybe are a bit more bullish, which is an approach which is a bit dangerous sometimes. Admittedly, yes, the culture of compliance in in this respect is is developing. But I think a bit more needs to be done. Pepe, thank you so much for this fantastic overview of this uh, market abuse regulation, which is something which is, as you say, terribly onerous. <laughs> um, and it's one of the, the regulatory burdens that people have to put up with. But as long as we remember why it's there and how we can make it better. Thank you so much for being thank with us. Thank you very much. That's all for today. Subscribe now to the Fintalks and follow Finance Malta on all social media platforms to stay updated with all our activities. Till the next podcast.